Hello, welcome to part two of the Soul Tie. I'm going to be picking up where I left off from episode three. I'm sorry, I have my my project files mislabeled, so it says I'm on episode five, but I'm really not. So I wanted to get into part two about the Soul Tie because there's so much information to dissect there, and it's not just a matter of identifying it. Um, and kind of just, I, I talked a lot about my own testimony and what I experienced and what I saw in my own life and my own marriage, but I wanted to get into how are we proactive about these, uh, problems, these issues in our life, these unhealthy dependencies that we have. And, and like I said, it could even range from ideologies to a specific person. And these are all things that are preventing us from walking into our God-given identity. And these are all things that are preventing us from walking into who God has called us to be. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to take this time to record a part two episode where I talk all about the very pragmatic aspects and steps that we can take to be proactive about this in our life. How do you identify what the actual issue is for you? How do you take it to God? And then how are you proactive and fighting it every single day, real time, like actively? Like if it's lust, how do you, how do you actively attack this and fight this if you're like at the store or you're like at a party or you could even be at church and be struggling with that because that's something that transcends you know any environment or if it's like maybe an unhealthy spending habit how do you take the steps to start being financially responsible and independent so i'm going to go into that today and i wanted to just do a real quick recap and really point anybody listening to this episode first i definitely highly recommend you listen to part one first because a lot of this probably won't make sense to you. A lot of the verses I'm referencing from part one and everything like, um, I just, I don't think that you would really have a full understanding and unless you go back and listen to part one. So a quick recap from it. I talked about my own experience, uh, from, from developing this soul tie with in a previous relationship before my marriage. And it was about probably, I would say that relationship probably ended about maybe four years before I started dating my wife. So there was a really good chunk of time that this was festering. This was really growing, becoming an unhealthy part of my mind. And it started to affect dating. It started to affect my marriage when I finally got into it. And I talked about all that in episode one. And then I talked about towards the end of the episode how did I get freedom from this? I started to combat these things every day. And so that's what I'm going to elaborate more on on this episode is how do you actually fight that? And I'm going to talk about what it looked like. And I'm going to talk about the two things that prevented me from connecting in my marriage that hopefully will help you if you're on the single side and you're thinking about getting married or if you're in a marriage and you're finding yourself you can't connect physically or intimate, intimately, I'm sorry, with your partner in, in any way. And those kind of roadblocks that happen there, and it could be a number of things. It could be communication issue. It could be finances. It could be that your heart is still tied to somebody from your past and you still reminisce about them and think about them and check on their pages. And, or it could just be a lust thing even where it's just kind of not one person in particular, but you kind of have like a fear of missing out of the single life and you're married and, or you're lusting and it could be like a pornography thing, or it could be just a looking, you know, like ogling, I think is the term when you're just kind of staring at, at people of the opposite sex or whoever you're attracted to in public. 
And so I want to talk about how do you take the practical steps to combat these issues that will prevent you from connecting with your partner. And really just, even if you're not married and you're like, well, hey, I actually am single and I still have a connection to somebody from my past and I would really just like to get over it. I want to spend time identifying that. And that was really the first point that I wanted to cover in today's episode is identifying that something is an issue. And I know that this might sound crazy because in a lot of ways you would think, well, man, if there's something wrong in my life and there's a major issue, then you know, I I would know about it. And a lot of times, I don't think we either know what it is or we don't know really the severity of it. Like, for example, I would say that when I came into relationship, and I covered that in, in episode one that I was, I grew up in the church, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. So when I came into an actual relationship with God, I noticed that it was it was great at first and I felt so much freedom and liberation, but then it was like cleaning house and there was a lot of restoration that needed to happen. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this will continue throughout our entire life because our entire life is an undoing. And I wanted to do a future episode on that concept specifically, but just for the purpose of this story, I started to realize that the Lord was taking inventory of things in my heart that didn't reflect his character and nature that he wanted me to showcase to the world and in all of my relationships. And I have heard a lot of people before and after giving my life to the Lord. And I have offended a lot of people before and after giving my life to the Lord. And I think we have to be okay with the thought that we are all in process And just because you are a Christian doesn't mean that you're not hurting people anymore because God is working on you and there are things that you need to go through. And I don't care if you're like a pastor and you've been preaching and teaching for like 30 years or you just gave your life to the Lord last month. There's something that you have to be working on. There's an area that God is trying to illuminate. So I noticed this happen where the Lord started to reveal parts of my life. And it started very surface level because there was a lot of things I was doing that were really unhealthy. I was on drugs, I was smoking a lot, I was partying, and those things, I just lost the taste for those right away. And smoking was something that I continued. I I smoked for 10 years, a pack a day, and then I stopped. And then it would just kind of reoccur every now and then, even after giving my life to the Lord. But I understood the, the physical health implications of it and I knew that the Lord wanted me to live a long life and this was something that I was gonna need to quit, and I did. And so it happened with everything else and there was unhealthy dependencies on certain things and those, that stuff all went, that stuff all left. And it could have been stuff that was okay, like food, for example, like food is great. It's nourishment, but I was getting a lot of my validation from like, oh, eating here and spending a lot of money here. And then I'd look back at my bank and like hundreds of dollars out of my monthly outgoing budget was like all on food and food that I didn't need to be buying. I could have bought groceries and spent less and it'd be healthier. And that was a little thing that I would have never thought in a million years. And and you might even be listening right now thinking like, oh, that's not really a big deal. But is it not a big deal when you hit 30 and you're being diagnosed as pre-diabetic and you're 30 years old and it's due to unhealthy eating decisions, you know, and that's lowering your life. That's not valuing what God has given you. I understand like a lot of people will be, you know, like that's really intense. Like that's really maybe pushing it. But you have to look at honoring God in every decision, finances, diet, 
relationships, all these things, because you can't just allow God to be God over one area and then five other areas because you don't think that they're areas that should be submitted to God are just running rampant and then affecting your health and your psychology and all these other things. Like, you know, it's, it is, it can get very nitpicky, but I would say it's submitting these things because if something's affecting your health negatively and it's destroying your bank account, I'm pretty sure God cares about both those things because he expands the kingdom through both of those. So it's really important that we learn to take, to allow God to take inventory for us and to showcase these things to us because a lot of us don't even realize that even our theology hurts people, but we're so dead set on arguing for the sake of our ego that we don't realize that we're not even arguing for the Bible anymore. We're arguing for something like an ideology. And I see that happen a lot. I see people that constantly hurt people and they're Christians because it means more to them to argue an ideology and their own perspective of, of a certain theology or belief point than it is to reach somebody in love, than it is to reach somebody and ensure that there's fruit from their relationship. They don't care about that. They care about arguing something or they care about being right or proving other people wrong because there's identity issues inside that surface by way of argument or disagreement, or that's not the way I know God, so I'm going to argue this. You know, there's tons of areas of our life that we don't realize that we're doing because we're it's so built into our identity that there's no way it can be wrong. And that's cognitive dissonance when something that is so built into our identity is questioned or proved to be, hey, maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's not healthy. And I know a lot of Christians like that. And really, it's more so Christians than non-believers in, in my life that I know that are the ones that their world would be shaken if they knew that what they're talking about actually isn't biblical. What they're talking about, that's actually not healthy. And so we always argue things from a place of confirmation bias where we only research things that support what we already believe. And Christians, in my opinion, are the guiltiest of this because we don't want to reflect and think, well, maybe I could be wrong about something. Maybe I believe something that's actually not true. Maybe I have an interpretation of something theological that's not true. Maybe I have an interpretation of something health-wise or diet or financial, uh, and it's not, and it's just not healthy and it's not right. So that's why fooling ourselves is step one. And I think a really big tactic of the enemy is dismissing certain sin, dismissing certain areas as it's okay. You know, it's all right. Because he doesn't want us to have boundaries and he doesn't want us to have an accurate, healthy understanding of who God is constantly shaping and chiseling us to be because you're okay. You're fine the way you are. Just continue going to church, but don't ever grow. I think that's a, I think that's a motto of the enemy, you know? And so the first step that's really important is identifying what you have. And if you ask God, he will absolutely identify those areas. We just don't always realize that the areas, the things that are happening in our life are revealing those areas. So we have to be open to that and we have to be prepared and ready to let God show us the areas that we need to grow in because a lot of times we will just continue living our life and things are just going over our head. And then you're wondering, man, I'm on my third church already. Ugh, man, like the state of the church is really bad. And then you're, you're chopping down churches in every conversation you have with people. But in reality, you're the issue because you don't know how to commit or you don't know how to show up on time. And that was an issue for me. Not that I was ever talking bad about churches or people, but I started to lose faith in the church, but I realized that I had a performance mentality and I realized that I couldn't commit and I couldn't even do simple things as show up on time or, or just submit to somebody. And 
I was blaming it outward because I was so scared of looking inward and I was pointing one finger out, realizing that, you know, there's three fingers pointing right back at me. And it was a hard concept for me to grasp a lot of times because I didn't know how to identify that I had an unhealthy tie to an ideology or a thought process or something. So when it came to the soul tie, I didn't know that I had this unhealthy soul tie to a person from my past and even other partners that I had had in the past because I just didn't think it was an issue. I wasn't actively texting them. I wasn't actively talking to them or, or calling them. So to me, it was perfectly fine. And the way God works is he will send people in situations and scenarios into our life that expose heart issues, but we don't always identify them as being sent from God because as Christians, a lot of time we look at adversity always being from the enemy. We look at suffering always being from the enemy. We look at anything that gives us fear or anxiety or stress as always being, you know, from the enemy or negative. But the Bible very clearly says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not necessarily a sense that fear of God is like, oh, you're wise if you fear God and being punished and all that, because we also know that the Bible tempers that by saying that the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. So then how do you reconcile two concepts like that? If God is love, then it's because there has to be parameters set to it. And we have to understand that God is constantly in a state of revealing the state of our heart to us so that we can become a greater reflection of him because our entire life purpose is to put a face on Jesus Christ by the way we interact with others. And he's going to, he's going to help us become that, that, you know, that Christ-like model because he's going to use situations and people and scenarios to illuminate to us, Hey, you have an issue with gossiping and that's the way you connect because you've only ever known to connect through gossip. So whenever you sit down to talk with somebody, you start talking about other people. And I can't have you doing that because you're a representative of me. But the way that God will bring that up in your life is you'll start to have issues with people that are based around gossip issues. You know, and you have this tie to that that you don't even know about because to you it's always just been normal since you were a kid. Or even more so, you know, something like lust. You can be a guy and, you know, you just grew up always thinking, hey, you know, you see a beautiful woman in public, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch, uh, you know, like some kind of locker room joking mentality that you just always grew up thinking and you saw your dad do it and you saw your older brothers do it and, you know, your uncles and everybody, the mentality was always, hey, it's okay, you know, we're, we're, we're created like that, so it should be fine, right? But Paul addresses this to the church in Corinth and that was really one of the main issues there amongst many other main issues that he had to address them and write them letters and what we have is, you know, first and second Corinthians and visits that he had that grieved him. And a lot of it was because they were saying, well, you know, we can do whatever we want food for the stomach. And he was, and you know, he's telling them like, yeah, but food and the stomach will both pass away. And just because you can do things doesn't mean that it makes it right. And I think that's what happens in our mentality is that we think, well, you know what, this isn't killing, killing anybody, or this isn't, you know, criminal activity. This isn't illegal. So it should be okay. And like I said, going back to the food thing, even that's something that for years I dismissed until I was unhealthy. And I realized that it was purely diet and an activity where I was like, wow, I'm not taking care of my body, you know, and I gained a ton of weight and thank God, you know, I've been able to lose weight and become healthy. I've personally switched to a better diet and for me, but I'm not going to go tell everybody that they need to go do that, but I can help people kind of find that illumination because that's what happened to me. 
And so we have to be open to allowing God to identify it to us because I know so many people who are 50, 60 years old that are doing the same things I've been seeing them do for 20 years. And I'm like, man, you just really have no idea that you're, you're destroying and sabotaging all of your personal relationships because of, you know, item A or item B, whatever it is that they're doing. And they just don't know. And it's not that God doesn't love that person, but you know, we do have, I want to say free will, but we have the ability to know what we need to work on and then just not do it. And we also even have the ignorance to not know what we need to work on. So we're really at a handicap there in that, in that sense. But I know that from my life, I've seen the Holy Spirit is absolutely quick to honor and answer that prayer. So the first thing you really need to do is you need to ask God to illuminate to you the areas that you need to grow in and that you have to allow him into your heart to work on. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, God is so good and God's powerful. He doesn't need our permission. Yeah. And that is absolutely true. But I do believe that that's a broken understanding of a loving father because a loving father, there's aspects of love that shine brighter when God is welcomed into our heart, when it is a natural unfolding relationship, not when it's a forceful, like, no, you you know, I'm going to do this. Um, Because there's so many Christians that have such a negative self-image and and they're just so like, we're sinful, horrible creatures. And, and, and yeah, that's true. The Bible covers that. It does a great job. You don't have to live your life telling everybody that we all kind of get it and know it. But the truth of it is, is if you don't ever see that God died to make us something better to showcase who he is, you're depriving so many people of experiencing God's love because you don't understand that on the other side of, a, of the cross is an abundant life that he died for all built around the fact that you're meant to showcase who he is through your personal relationships, through being there for people. And it all starts with identifying the things that we really need to work on. So I'm going to take it from, for me, the sense of the things that I had to identify. I remember it was about five or six years ago. And I remember sitting there and I have my prayer journal out and I'm really talking and I prayed this prayer. And so that should show you also that it's taken years for some of these things to even get surfaced. And then some of them didn't even happen until I got married. So they were unlocked at that level. You know, there was things that I unlocked being single. And then there was things that happened when I was married. And I went as far as I could go with, you know, the exposure when I was single. And it didn't, it wasn't until I was married that other things came up. Like, and and I'm going to get into that. But I remember writing down a number of things. I remember you know, just sitting there, I was reading my Bible, you know, I'm worshiping and I'm just spending my communion time with God. And I would just do that daily. And it was great. It was awesome. It felt great. And until I started to realize that God is really, there's some wake up calls happening in my life. And, and I've, I've offended people. I've hurt people. I've, I've done things that are unhealthy. And I, I didn't really know what it was, but I knew that there was some areas that I felt shame in, in my personal relationships, things that I had said that I had done that didn't represent God. And so I knew that I had to go to him to find out and identify what is it that is preventing me from being the full, preventing me from being the fullest version of myself. And he listed some things and showcased them. There was three major things that he listed. And one of them was like irritability. And I didn't really understand that one because I'm not an angry person, but I wrote it down. The second one was lust. And then the third one was like procrastination. And I didn't understand those at the time because, you know, I was in college. I had just got a job in my field. I was like, well, I'm not really lazy. Like there's, I'm doing things right. And then with lust, I, 
you know, I, I had what I thought was a healthy attraction to women. I wasn't going crazy the way I was when I was single and in the military or anything. Um, when I had started going to church and turned my life to God, I, I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing, I wasn't even dating really. I'd probably dated over the course of years, maybe once or twice. So I was kind of confused in that one. And then there was the issue of irritability or anger. And I saw that sometimes when God is revealing things that we have to go through, it won't just be through situations. It'll be things that are underlying, that are powering other decisions in our life. So for example, with irritability, it wasn't that I was an angry person, but what God was trying to show me was that when I'm financially stressed, I become irritable towards the people closest to me. And just because I wasn't punching holes in walls or getting in fights at, you know, the store or something, I didn't think I battled with anger, but I didn't know that there was certain things that would unlock anger and irritability in my life that I had no idea about. So when I started talking to family members and kind of just like interviewing them, you know, in my own personal, in my mind, you know, and I know why I'm asking them these questions, but they don't know why I'm asking them. They started to tell me, yeah, like when you don't have money, you get really irritable and you're very mean. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, like when you're like, like broke or you don't have money, like you're, you're very, you're very, it's not nice to be around you. And I didn't know that. I I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that when I'm stressed out about money or a financial situation, or, you know, I was a college, broke college student and getting into a job that wasn't paying that much, but it was my foot in the door in the industry. And there was a lot of months where, you know, I had just enough to pay my bills and maybe get groceries. And I didn't realize that in those times I was very irritable and mean to people. And I was showcasing Christ to them by doing that. And we don't realize that so many people don't believe in the church because they don't believe in us. Like it's up to us to put the face to Christ because Christ put the face to God. And we have to, we have to constantly remember that even when we're stressed about money, even when we're stressed about something or we're going through a hard time, we always reflect him 24 seven. And I didn't know that. And that was something he wanted to work with me on. And then with lust, I didn't really understand lust because I, I understood it as much as I do with any other guy. I, you know, so many guys battle with pornography. I was there too. Absolutely was there, especially in my twenties. Like it was a tough thing. It, it was just a secret thing. And I think for so many of us guys, the reason why we connect with pornography so heavily is because almost every guy I know that watches pornography in adulthood was exposed to it as a child or saw it some way or was exposed somehow or found it on the ground or something is, if you ask guys that, if you can get a guy to open up about that, I guarantee you it will always be the same story on how they got exposed to it. I've always heard it my whole life that we all found out the same way. It was like six years old, seven years old. And you just build this secret connection with it. And it's your secret thing. It's your secret way of releasing, you know, just stress or, or just whatever it is. And so I had that too. And I didn't, I didn't understand at the time. Cause I was like, well, I'm single. It's not harming anybody. And you know, I'm, it's not like I'm married or anything like that, but here's the thing that was absolutely destroying my sense of intimacy. And I had no idea that I was chipping away at, at the strength of my intimacy over the course of years and years and years. And then what it does is it desensifies you to male-female relationships because you're now no longer looking at females as, oh, this is somebody who I can, you know, 
I can connect with, this is somebody I can minister to, there will most likely always be a sexual undertone to your relationship, whether are they attracted to me, am I attracted to them, is there really something going on here, is it not, why do they not, why are they not attracted to me, why am I not attracted to them, there, there will almost always be a sexual undertone there when you become to sexualize everything because your mind and your intimacy is built around unhealthy sexuality. So I didn't understand that that would be an issue later on in life. I thought it was just like, oh, it's something, you know, just small. No one knows about it. It's it's just, you know, I can go a couple months without it. I can go a year without doing it. And then there was times where it would just be like all the time. So I knew that that it was something I did that I would pray about. I would repent, I'd, I would repent for but it wasn't something that I was, I didn't know was going to really be a major factor in trying to destroy my marriage someday. That was years in the future. I had no idea. I didn't think it, I thought it was harmless and I didn't know that it would prevent me from being intimate because I didn't know how to be because my intimacy was only alone in secrecy. So the third thing was procrastination and laziness. And I didn't know that I was really secretly lazy because I was so accomplishment based and I thought that, you know, I'm, I'm a go-getter and I've done so much already and I've accomplished so much and I'm only 23, 24 or whatever. It, it had nothing to do with the, the fact that you can be successful and still be lazy and still, still be a procrastinator because it's what you're lazy about is the value and the importance on how much it's going to affect your life. See, I was a go-getter for the things that brought me attention or the things that validated me, but I was a procrastinator for things that I was supposed to do for the Lord. And I would put things off and things that he wanted me to be working on or going to pursue or, or to do or to stop doing, I would become lazy all of a sudden. But if it was like a music related thing, or if it was like a friend related thing, or if it was like a, I needed to save for a trip or something that I really wanted to go on, I was all of a sudden Mr. Accomplishment. You know, when it, suited me and it benefited me, I would place it first in my priorities. And then if it didn't benefit me, then I would be lazy and procrastinate and put it off and put it off or I'd show up late or something. And we can't do that because we can't only be about our business. The Lord's business in our life has to be number one. And if you put a high precedence on all, all of your interests and not on God's, that is procrastination. That is laziness. And, and it's not right. But it's something I didn't see. I didn't know I was doing these three things. And it started the course of about five to six years of me just gr beginning to grow in these areas. And a lot of them I got freedom in. You know, a lot of them I, I got, you know, liberation from. Like, to be honest with you, I'm still working on procrastination. Um, I'm still working on not losing my cool if, like, I'm stressed out or if I'm very focused on something. But I can say truthfully here today that I have seen so many things in my life come crumbling down that I thought I would never get over. I would never get over. You know, like I thought that I would never break assault. I thought I would never be strong enough to break lust. And truthfully, I wasn't, but God was. And I think that's the problem. We don't know how to identify these things because we still see our own perspective from everything we still look at everything from our own understanding. And in identifying, not only do you have to go to God and, and ask him to help you identify what these areas are, but you have to see what are the things that I get angry about? What are the things that I justify to myself why it's okay to keep doing them? What are the things that bring me shame and guilt, but I still keep going back to it because I'm like, okay, well, this is the last time or 
man, I really need to stop, but I'm going to do it one more time and I'm going to just, I'm going to let it go. And then I'm going to go talk to somebody. Cause like, I guarantee you some of these areas are the ones that are hard to let go of. You most likely do not have somebody holding you accountable. You don't have somebody that you have to answer to in it. And that's why we run rampant in a lot of things is because it's our secret thing. And I think that's why the issue of pornography is such a major, that, that is the issue in the church for men is because it's such an easy thing to keep secret. It's such an easy thing to keep hidden. And as long as something is hidden and secret and it's not exposed, then, you know, how is anyone ever going to know? How are we ever going to grow from it? So if it's something that's secret that a lot of people don't know about that you would fear people finding out about, if it's something that you struggle with to, um, you can't say no to it, then these are things that you have to start to realize that God is identifying to you. God is absolutely identifying this is something you shouldn't do. If it's going on Instagram and you're on the explore section and then you find yourself looking at 20 different, you know, girls pages, IG models, and that's all you're doing for an hour then maybe that's God exposing that to you. He's letting you know if it's, you can't go in the store and you can't, you know, not look at, you know, women or men in, in the, in the store, then maybe that's something God's exposing to you. If you get a paycheck and you get it on Friday and by Monday you're broke, maybe that's something God's exposing to you. You know, if you, if you're in a relationship and you find yourself getting jealous and uncontrollably jealous maybe that's something God's trying to expose to you about your past and your childhood and things that you have to start exploring. Identifying it is probably the hardest part because we don't want to identify things a lot of time. And like I said, with the cognitive dissonance and the confirmation bias, we don't even want to admit that we have a problem. And so that's a good, a good way to look at it. If you've blamed a lot of other people and other people have been the problem, then I guarantee you, you're the problem. I, I promise you, it's absolutely you. Because it was me in so many cases. I, I wanted to look everywhere else but inward. And I started to realize every time I had an issue with someone, it wasn't that person. It had nothing to do with that person. God was trying to expose something in my heart. What is it about me that is getting triggered by that person's anger, or that person's irritability, or their attitude, or whatever it is? So identifying is very difficult. And and I would say to do that, the very first thing you need to do is you need to pray and you need to start looking inward. Only examine yourself. Don't look at other people or blame, oh, if it was, you know, if my parents had did this differently, if this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened to me when I was younger or whatever, these, all these things, don't remove everybody else. Okay. Remove everyone else and then only place it on yourself and actually look at yourself from a third party perspective. And what helped me was writing out my story using somebody else's name. And so I used the name Tom. And what I did is I wrote out all my life, the things I'd gone through, what I was currently going through, and I used the name Tom. And I let it sit for a couple of days and I came back and read it as if I was reading somebody else's life and I realized, man, this guy has an unhealthy soul tie with his ex. Man, this guy battles with laziness. Man, this guy is unmotivated. He's depressed. All these things because I started looking at it as if he was somebody else. Because I have like I don't know if the, I think the terms like homerism where you're like, you know, oh, you know, you, you root for the home team and the home team can never be wrong. And like, you know, um, that's how I was. I never wanted to think that I could be wrong, that I could be in the wrong. And trust me, I have been wrong a lot in my life, more so wrong than right. So identifying it is a hard thing because it requires humility and self-examining requires us to really, really look inward um, to the dark places that we don't let anybody go into. 
So the second point I wanted to talk about with this that I want to transition over into is taking it to God now. So let's say God is going to reveal these areas. If you don't already know them, you say that prayer, it's going to happen. There's a few prayers I've seen in life that they are just without a doubt, the clockwork, these things are going to hit hard and it's always the hard prayers to pray. So what happens is, you know, God reveals it to you and he shows you the areas that you need to be growing on and, and working on and growing in, I should say. And so now, what does it look like to take it to God? And this is very simple. If it is a past relationship with somebody, you need to go sit down and ask God, Lord, why did I develop such a strong connection with them? And yeah, it might have been because, you know, you were, you had sex with them outside of marriage or you built this unhealthy emotional dependency on them or they, they embodied everything you've ever wanted, all the validation you've ever needed and, and they had it, but they just weren't present or available. So because they weren't available, you wanted them more and you developed this unhealthy need for them to validate you because they represented everything you've never had in life. Whatever it is, God will expose it to you. God will show you and he's going to speak on the subject. And God speaks through his Bible and nothing that you hear from the Holy Spirit will ever contradict the Bible. And that's how you know. So if you get a revelation from the Holy Spirit that is specific to your life, God will back it up with scripture. And if not, it's up to you to know that, hey, that might've been my own thoughts. I might've been hearing myself there because I've been guilty of that too. I've heard my own thoughts and then passed it off as the Lord and then acted on it or spoke on it. And, and that's not healthy. But you have to understand that being in accountability, having leadership, being a part of a church will all help you in shaping what you're hearing from God and taking it through a filter of scripture so that you can say, hey, you know, like, I really feel God telling me that I have this unhealthy soul tie with this person because I was having sex out of marriage with them and I built this unhealthy dependency on them and I made them my God first. And then you have leaders and accountability that can tell you, well, that's very biblical that God would say that to you because we aren't supposed to have any other gods before him. We aren't supposed to have sex outside of marriage. We aren't supposed to get our depend our, our validation from, from a person before we do it from God. So you have people that can set that up. So you have to be in accountability. You have to be in community. You have to be in church and you have to be spending time with God to get familiar with his voice. And you have to absolutely be studying scripture so that you know, is what I'm hearing God or is what I'm hearing something that's confirmation bias again? So taking it to God is, is, is the best part because when you have knowledge and information about a, a subject, you then build understanding to act on that knowledge and wisdom and information. So it's a matter of if you know that you're married and you're not supposed to be lusting after other women, you might have the knowledge and information that it's bad, but you might not have the understanding to actually go through it. A relationship with God will bring understanding because you know, hey, your wife struggled with identity or, or, or self-worth issues as a child. And so when she catches you looking at other girls, when you guys are at the gym, she, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to feel that way anymore. She doesn't want to feel that way ever again. And, and you're hurting my daughter and you, then you have understanding to not do that. Or if you're, you're blowing money foolishly and, and you have the knowledge and information that blowing money is not right, but you still keep doing it taking it to God and asking God to speak to you about it, he will tell you and give you the understanding that, hey, money is purely an expansion tool for the kingdom. And I use money and I've only sent you guys money so that you can show people my love, so that you can pay somebody's phone bill, so that you can go on, on, a, on a missions trip, so that you can go help that church plant, so that you can tithe, so that you can do all these things, so that you can give money to people who need it and show them my love. I didn't give it to you to blow it on 
you know, all the things that you love in three days of getting paid. And then you're, you're eating top ramen for two weeks. That's not how I designed money to be for you. And that's not how I designed money to be in general. And that's not how I designed your life. You know, it's not until we take an issue that we've identified in point one, but it's not until we take an issue to God that we can see what he has so that we have understanding on it. And when you have knowledge and wisdom, the fear of God, and you have understanding as well, like I said in, in that verse in Proverbs, I believe it's nine ten. you know, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And you have that knowledge of, of God's character and what he's saying about the truth of that subject. Then you have the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding to every day act upon those thoughts that come in. And the Bible says, take every thought captive and make it submit to the mind of Christ. And that's what you're doing. You're actively taking this, I want to spend my whole paycheck in one day, Lord, what's going on? And he tells you, well, you are impulsive because, you know, money is a way that makes you feel good. It's like food or sex or something like that. And then he tells you, but I am here for you. I am your father. And he gives you love and he gives you communication. He tells you, you don't need to go do those things anymore. You don't need to call that person up at 2 a.m. and ask them, hey, can I come over? You don't need to go spend your whole paycheck on on something you don't even need. You don't need to go out and gossip about people. You don't need to go and steal. You don't need to go get high this weekend because he says, because what he's doing, because what he's, his love for you, because what he's about to tell you, and he's going to back it up with scripture and it should be found in scripture. And he's going to show you these things while you don't need to. And you're going to think about it and you're going to be like, wow, you know what? I never really actually even had an issue. I just thought I needed those things. And it's a mental thing. And this is from episode one, the, the prison of our mind. We get so trapped in these concepts that we think we need something. We think we have to do something. We, we think we need to look at every girl when we're, when you're a guy and, you know, and you're walking through, you know, the grocery store and you're like, actually, I don't actually, I'm going to be happier if I don't. And I don't need to blow my whole paycheck. I'm actually going to feel really great about myself if I actually build a savings and if I pay off some some credit cards and some debt and things like that, we don't know what it feels like on the other side because we're too scared to take these issues because we're too ashamed of having stuff. Um, so, you know, it's one of those issues where we just really, we have to be willing to listen to what God says. It's so hard because identifying it, what I was talking about in the first part of this episode, is so hard as it is. Part two is is just as hard. You know, it's right up there in difficulty because now you have to be willing to hear what God says and you have to be willing to trust God. And this is getting out of the boat. This is walking on the water. This is, you know, the Bible is so metaphorical and poetic, but it is so practical on the layers underneath that literature. And this is what it looks like every day in real life. This is how you place yourself in those shoes is you have to be willing to trust that, okay, man, you know, God spoke to this lust area of my heart. God spoke to this soul tie that I have with this person from the past. I have to trust that what he said was true. Because when I asked God, Lord, why has it been years? I, I dream about this girl every night. I'm, I'm struggling. I can't connect with my wife. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm miserable. And he told me, you developed an unhealthy connection based off false pretenses. You thought you were creating the love that you had been looking for your whole life when your father left you, and you thought you found it in this person. But it wasn't the person that I had meant for you to connect with. Your wife is the person that I wanted you to connect with because she's the one that shows my love, that releases my love to you in a way that no other woman on this planet will. And when you have that knowledge, 
you stop looking. You stop doubting that your marriage is valid. You stop doubting, did I marry the right person? You stop looking when you're in public. You, you don't have, you don't have the openness to if something better comes along or if something more appealing comes along or maybe something from your past. You won't have those things anymore because you know what God spoke and what God said. And that's why the prophetic is so powerful because sometimes we need somebody to step in and tell us these things, but we all are prophetic. We all have the ability to go to God, to inquire of the Lord. We can all do that. We, we serve an active living God that is waiting to speak and talk to every single one of us right here, right now, today. And so it's so important to go to God on these and develop that connection with him and have a pre-existing relationship with him where we know his voice. We're going to church. We know community. We have accountability. We're spending communion time, going on prayer walks, prayer drives, reading our Bible, worshiping in our living room every day, because you're going to build up that familiarity with his voice. So when he speaks on a subject that's important to your life, something that you have not given him in 30 years, you were the rich young leader that said, I'm not going to sell everything I own and follow you, but I did everything else though, but I'm not going to do that. You will be able to do what that guy didn't do. You will be able to give him those things because you understand there's nothing else for you. There's nothing that you were looking for in social media, nothing that you were looking for in money, nothing that you were looking for in men or women, nothing that you were looking for at the club or at the bar or just in, in like some people, their God is like overachieving in the workplace or like getting a lot of money. And it's like, that's not even what, like, no, like we've placed so many things there and we've placed God fifth or sixth on that list. And it's time for us to flip the script and take things to him and say, Lord, I really, I really want to be a CEO Lord, but is that what you have for me? But we think automatically in our own perspective and mind, like, oh, I need to be a CEO. Like, I need to be this. I need to be a lawyer. I need to be a doctor. I need to be all these things. But it's like, no, I actually called you to do this. I actually called you to this area. You know, and and there's a lot of back and forth about, you know, that and our destinies and God's will for our life. But truthfully, we just become so obsessed with ideas that we forget that God has something waiting for us. And then we spend years chasing our tails and something that we thought we were supposed to do because it sounded right to us or dating somebody or trying to find somebody that we, you know, you were, you're in the situation that I was in where I was dating this person, building, pouring in and giving my heart and connecting myself with them and building my future around them. And it wasn't even the person that was for me. So then years later, I'm struggling because I went and connected myself with somebody who I was not meant to be with. It wasn't my wife. And now that I've been you know, healed and set free from that. And I can connect with my wife. I'm like, man, there is nothing like this. This is so healthy. My wife is so healthy. My wife is hands down the greatest person I've ever met. She, and I'm not just saying this because she's my wife. I have always respected her since we were teenagers and we were friends. Like, but I didn't see her that way because she wasn't the dangerous choice. She wasn't the one that, that I thought I wanted. I, I just, I didn't know that she was what I really wanted and what I really needed. And it wasn't until I was healthy that I could see that because so many of us make decisions from an unhealthy place that affect our entire life when we're going to get healing in a year, when we're going to get healed in two years. Yet we made so many career choices and love choices based out of unhealthiness. We dated people that we planned on marrying because we had abandonment issues from our parents. So many things we have done in an unhealthy way because we didn't know that we were unhealthy. 
It's so important to take things, everything, all things to God to get that feedback. We can do it active in real time. Jesus afforded us this. He said, I have to go so the helper can come to help us. That's what a helper does. A helper helps you, helps you make decisions, helps you find the strength to get through that diagnosis, helps you get the strength to lose weight, helps you get the helps you, you know, get through depression, helps you get through anxiety, helps you battle with fear and win over fear, not just battle, but win over fear. The cross was meant to give us the life that sin prevented us from living. And it's not that we were worthy of it. It's not that we were good enough, but God was. And Jesus hung on that cross for us to have that. And we're depriving us and so many others when we don't see that. So it's so important to know that. I want to close out with this last idea. You know, how do we, how are we now proactive then? So we identified what it was and we took it to God and God spoke and he told us and he gave you the truth. And so many people have this where they get healed or they have a breakthrough moment or they, they fall and something happens and you know, they're like, Oh man, I gave in again. Or, you know, I hit her back up or like, Oh, I, I got high last weekend. And it's like, man, I'm feeling guilty. I repented. I prayed or whatever you, you do it, whatever it's a battle. It's a struggle, you know, but you hear God speak on it. You took it, you identified it, but how do you proactively, pragmatically, everyday battle this. It's in your thoughts. So what happens is when we become dependent on a person or relationship, lust, a drug, cigarettes, fast food, eating bad, blowing money, whatever your thing is, we have programmed our mind over time, like a computer, that this is good for us. This is right. So what happens in a regime change is you have to reprogram you have to change everything that was the norm before. So the way that looks like is you have your conscious mind, right? Your 10% of your thinking, right? Where it is you acting upon your subconscious mind. Let's, let's, let's say it that way, okay? So your subconscious mind is so deeply programmed that when you see an attractive woman, you need to look. Or your subconscious mind is so deeply programmed that when somebody gossips about you, you feel that fire inside and you need to argue with them or your subconscious is so deeply programmed that when somebody gets an attitude with you, you need to flare up and argue back with them because you were walked over when you were younger and no one's ever going to walk over you again. Our subconscious mind is programmed so deeply into the things that we don't even think about doing anymore. We just react. And that's how we breathe. That's how that's our body's automation, right? We do all these things subconsciously that have been years in the making. So with our conscious mind, we have to recondition our subconscious mind. You have to speak to your subconscious and say, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't look when I'm in public and I see someone attractive. I don't blow my paycheck when I get paid. I don't, you know, not put money in savings. I know the, sorry to all the grammar people out there. That probably was horrible. I butchered that, but you know, I just don't feel like going back and editing over that part because I'm flowing right now and I'm just not going to do it. So sorry, you know. It's up to our conscious mind to speak to our subconscious and say, no, that is not how we do it anymore. We don't do that. You have to actively do that. When you are a man and you are battling and struggling with lust and you are on Instagram and you hit that explore page, you need to be like, no, go log out. You need to close it. You need to call somebody. You need to get out, go on a jog, go do something else. Put this energy somewhere else. You have to be the person that stops that and thinks that I can't keep programming my mind to continue doing this. You can't keep programming your mind 
to continue doing the things that have destroyed you for so many years. You just cannot do that. Because I'm going to tell you this, if the enemy knows that you struggle with lust, guess what you're a beacon for? Guess what you're a large flashing light for? He's going to send everybody with lust. He's going to send everybody that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have, it's going to follow you. I know so many people in my life that I've seen where they battled with anger and, and like fighting. And guess who's the person that always fights in the parking lot? Guess who's the person where you go to the restaurant with them and they argue with the waiter. They battle with it and struggle with it. So they attract it naturally because our thinking creates the world around us. That's why our thoughts are so positive. And Jesus speaks to our thoughts so much in our, our mind world, because it then represents our outside world. You know, like if you're like listening to like, Oh, thug, this shoot up people, gangs, everything. Well, guess what your life is ultimately going to start to reflect. You're going to start to do those things, you know, like whatever you put in goes out and whatever goes out is a representation of what was in the deepest parts of your heart, the deepest parts of your subconscious. So it's so important to fight that, to create that war in your mind, because like if the enemy wants a fight, give him a fight because you have Jesus's word to stand on top of, you know, so don't let him take over your mind and your thoughts and say, you're always going to struggle with, without getting, you're never going to get over that person from your past. Your marriage is going to be ruined. You're never going to be able to connect with your kids. You're never going to be able to connect in your family. You're never going to be able to live the life that the Lord has for you because you struggle with a soul tie. You struggle with lust or you struggle with poor finances. Like, no, start fight back fight back, like combat those thoughts and say, no, you know what? That's not what God says about me. Lord said, the Lord said, um, this and that the Lord said that I only developed that connection because I had an unhealthy, you know, relationship because my dad left me when I was little. So I needed somebody who was difficult to fulfill the size of that hole in my heart. But, but Jesus fulfilled that hole when he died on the cross and watch that thought go silent. Watch that soul tie go silent. Watch that unhealthy lust go silent. When you stand up and you fight back, when you fight back with those thoughts, with the truth of God's word, because God's word doesn't come back void. Those thoughts will come back void because every time you give into it, you feel void. Every time you give into something that is not right for you, you don't feel good. None, it feels good for the five seconds before you do it. And then once you do it, it's just pure shame and guilt. God's word doesn't come back void because life comes back from God's word. And that's why you will always win that battle because of that. Every day is a fight. And this is what happens. Once it becomes the every day is a fight, then it becomes habit. And guess who's going to not want to fight you every day? The enemy loves comfort. He's not going to want to fight you every single day. So it's going to back off. And we know that scripturally that when you clean your house, those spirits go away. They go off in the dry places but he will try to come back. He'll try to hit you again six months after you get healed from fear and set free and God speaks on your fear. He'll try to come back a year after God sets you free from anxiety. He'll try to come back to those things. But the truth is, is we're always ready for a fight because God's word does not come back void. And you have to be ready to fight those things every day if you have to. You got to carry that cross every day if you have to. But that's what it looks like. And eventually it's going to ease up. And eventually it's going to get easier. And eventually you're going to be like, whoa, man, it's been like two years. I haven't even watched porn in two years. Or it's going to be like, man, I haven't thought about that person. in like, it's been a long time. Like, I don't even think about them anymore. And then you're going to see like, man, like I got a savings build up. You're like, man, like I haven't spent on anything stupid in a long time. Like 
you start to realize that you see a change in your life. And that's what God does in our life. He brings about change because he changes our thinking and he conditions our thinking with his word, with scripture, what he speaks to us, what he says about those issues. So it's very important that we hold on to that. And you have to be ready to actively fight those things every single day. So I wanted to just really quick recap what we talked about today. If, you know, maybe you fast forward or something, I don't know. But um, I, re- I first talked about how do you identify this and how do you identify the things that we don't want to grow from? And primarily we've been speaking on soul ties, but I covered so many other things in this episode today. So we talked about that earlier, identifying. The second thing I talked about was taking it to God. What does it look like taking this stuff to God? And then, you know, right now we just talked about how are you proactive about it and fight that fight every day. So I just want to let you know, like there is freedom. There is absolutely freedom. You can, you will absolutely be free. The enemy wants to condition your thinking. We count ourselves out with our thinking. The battle is is fought and won in our mind all the time. Every single thing you ever do, whether it's like working out or dieting or it's a relationship or if it's growing in your marriage, like if you don't think you can do it, then you're not going to do it. But if you trust what God says and you actually fight it and you do it, then you're going to absolutely be able to do it. And it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard to stay motivated because doing the right thing is super hard. And doing the right thing takes time and growing takes time. You know, it's just like anybody working out can tell you if you're coming from being unhealthy and you're, you know, you're, you're out of it, like it's going to take you a while to start seeing results. But when you see results, it's worth it. And I was watching a show yesterday where the host was saying like discipline is deciding like what you want now for what you get later, you know? And like, that's so true to me, like, because it's like, can do you want to live the life where you're free from these things? Then you got to start fighting it now every day. It's just like going to the gym. Although I don't really go to the gym, but you know, it, it's what it is. So I want to close out in prayer, but I want to just let you know that I, if you're listening to this, I believe that God has you listening to this for a reason. And if this has hit you in any way, I would ask that you just follow on Apple podcasts. I'm on Spotify. I'm on anchor and like Google Podcasts, I'm on all the other podcasting platforms. I don't have any social media, but I am getting a website up and I should have a YouTube page up soon where I'm gonna just post some videos about some of these concepts and, and ideologies that I'm talking about. And um, yeah, I just wanna thank you for listening. I ask that you please just share this with a friend, send it to somebody, send them the link or something. It's the Heart Soul Mind Collective. You can reach me at heartsoulmindcollective at gmail.com. And I just wanna close out uh, with a prayer and I wanna pray for you if you would just agree with me. Lord, I thank you, Father, for bringing this listener to this episode. I thank you that it was all ordained because you want better for us and you want better for them. And I've seen how you wanted better for me and that evolved my life so much, Father. And I can only praise you. I can only worship you. All I was able to do was get on my knees and thank you, Lord, because I never had the power to overcome these things. It was your word that that didn't come back void, not my word, not my own abilities. And I thank you, Lord, that we need you you're, you're reaching out and you're saying how much we need to be in church, how much we need to be in community, how much we need to grow. We need to get accountability in an area. We need to grow in it. And I thank you. I thank you that you are alive and active and constantly there with us, constantly growing us, constantly showing us. And I, all I can do is just pray, Father, for the person listening right now, that you would identify to them those areas, whether it's three, whether it's four, it's five, it's 10, it's two. You have one thing that God really wants to work on your heart. Open him up, let him in, spend time with him and speak. Speak, Lord, to them and show them what the truth about the things that have been destroying them. 
Show them the truth about the lies that they've been partnering with. And I just thank you, Father, that you are a healer, that you are a provider, and that you are there for us, that you are constant, that you are so reliable. Lord, and that you are true to your word. I thank you for that, Father. And and I just seal this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Be on the lookout for... I'm going to try to be releasing episodes one one a week, so keep checking back uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. I'm going to try to have them up by then, but if not, just give it a couple days, and please share with a friend if, if you can or to somebody who you think you know might benefit from hearing this. Thank you. Until next time.